Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Just a quick review. We're talking about Holy Ghost power. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. This is His dispensation. Amen? This is His dispensation. The Father manifested Himself in the temple. Jesus manifested Himself in a physical body. And now the third person of deity is on the earth in earthen vessels, jars of clay. And that's exactly who we are. We're all the temple of the Most High God. He lives in each and every one of us for a reason. To do what? Glorify Jesus and to reach the lost world with the life-changing truths of the gospel. Amen. And that's why we're all alive and on this planet, praise God. And we haven't been taken to glory. We've been left behind to let people know that Jesus loves them. Amen. We said there was a twofold work of the Spirit in the life of every child of God, and it should be. And number one, we know that when we first get saved, we have the Spirit of God baptizing us into the body of Christ. And this experience is evidenced, how? By the nine fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, temperance, and faithfulness. All those things are part of the divine nature that's been deposited within us on the inside. And we need to play them out. Get them from the inside to the outside. And uh, we should strive to do that. All of us. We don't have to if we don't want to, but we should. But the second work is Jesus baptizing us with Holy Ghost fire. Look at Matthew 3.11. Jesus baptizing us with the Holy Ghost and fire. Indeed, I'm bap- I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Thank God for the Holy Ghost and fire. Amen. And on the day of Pentecost, we saw what happened. Each one had the fire of God in a cloven tongue set upon each and every one of them. And he entered into them, and they were baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And we said, it is evidenced how? By power. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come on you. And spiritual gifts, initially being the gift of tongues. And so we saw that happening in their lives as far as each and every one of them that came to Christ, all the apostles and all those leaders made certain that they were both born again and spirit-filled, which we're going to see as we pick this up. Look in Acts chapter 2 as we continue our study. Acts chapter 2. And I want us to see how this plays out in the life of every person. And this is the early church at the very beginning, okay? And this is the Jewish camp. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Then there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them cloven tongues like as a fire that sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Who initiated this? Did Peter know what to expect? Did James know what to expect? Did John know what to expect? Did all the other apostles know what to expect? Absolutely not. They were instructed to go sit there and wait until the promise of the Father be fulfilled, and each and every one of them, the 120 in the upper room, had a cloven tongue like as a fire upon each of them. So it was all God-ordained, and it was all God-initiated in the Jewish camp. Okay, number two. Let's go to the Acts and chapter 8. And this is verses 14 through 17. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid their hands on them, 
and they received the Holy Ghost. So first of all, they were saved, and secondly, they received the Holy Ghost. But you ever stop and think about what camp this is? This is the camp of the Samaritans. And what dealings did the Jews have with the Samaritans? None, right? Think about it. The woman at the well, what happened with her conversation with Jesus? What did she say? You being a Jew talking to me, a Samaritan, and a woman, no less? What's going on here? And Jesus said, woman, if you knew who you were talking to, you'd ask me water, and I'd give you water that you'd never thirst again. Man, you don't even have anything to give down to the well. It's a deep well. He said, oh no, this water will be in your well of water, swinging up to ever, springing up into everlasting life. I want this water. So they go down to the city of Samaria. Why? Because they are persecuted in Acts chapter 8, the first part of it. They're persecuted. They go down to Samaria, and Philip preaches Christ, and they get saved. Well, isn't that something? Isn't that amazing that once they got on fire for God, it didn't matter if it was Samaria. And the Samaritans got saved. And then they sent for Peter and John who came down and prayed for them. And what happened? They got filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 9. In Acts chapter 9, we have another individual. Look at this camp. This is the camp of Saul of Tarsus. And Saul of Tarsus is a hater of Christianity. He's a hater of Jesus. And he wants to destroy the work of Christianity at its roots. Does he not? But he has a visit with Jesus. And when he sees Jesus on the Damascus Road, what happens? He falls to the ground. Oh Lord, what would have me to do? He becomes a believer. He denied him at first, but when he saw him, he couldn't deny him any longer. And what happened with this man is he was there for three days praying at, at the house. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest has sent me that thou mightest receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. So now we have the Jewish camp. Now we got the Samaritans. And now we got Paul the Apostle. But go to Acts chapter 10. Paul the Apostle, now he, he was Saul of Tarsus then, becomes Paul the Apostle, but he's spirit-filled with the evidence of tongues and gifts. Now, does anybody know this one? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Wait a minute. We're talking about Jesus now. The sinless Son of God. The Holy One of Israel. Him who knew no sin did not do anything publicly in ministry until he was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power. True? Wow. Now we got Jesus. You ready for this one now? We've got the Italians. Now we've got the Italians, the Gentiles. The Italians, Cornelius' house. He was the centurion of the Italian band. Again in Acts chapter 10, let's read it 44 through 48. Let's read these verses. While Peter yet spake these words at Cornelius' house, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision, the Jewish camp, which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles was also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. How did they know? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. Well, now we go to Acts chapter 19 and we see not only that camp, but now we have another camp, Ephesus. 
Paul the Apostle, passing through the upper course of Corinth, comes to Ephesus, and what does he see? He finds believers that are there, so he thinks they're believers, but yet they were only baptized in John's water baptism of repentance, and says, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said, we never heard whether it would be a Holy Ghost. He said, well, then what were you baptized? They said, John's baptism. He goes, oh, yeah, he baptized to repentance, but there was one that came after him. You had to believe on him, and he led them to Jesus. And then once they were born again, and then when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues, and they prophesied. Let me ask a, a very important question. If all these, including Jesus, needed to have Holy Ghost power, are we better than they? Are we stronger than they? Are we smarter than they? When people say today, well, I'm just saved, I'm satisfied of being saved, and that's all there is to it, and they ignore what I just shared with you tonight, what they're actually saying is, yeah, I can do it on my own. I'm smart. I must be smarter than even Jesus. I must be more powerful than even Jesus. I must be greater than even Jesus because, you see, I don't need that. Really? Hmm. Wow. And then beside that, None of us should want anything different than what God initiated. This is not a work of man. This is a work of God himself. Can we see that? This is God's doing, not man's doing. They had no idea what to expect on the day of Pentecost. It was all God in both the Jewish and the Gentile camps. This is the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. And it's up to us to yield to what God has done. And beside all that, who are we to change what God initiated? Who are we to say that there's a better way to do it other than the way God says this is how I want it to be done? Do we have another program? Do we have a better plan? Do we not think that God knew that we're facing the forces of darkness that are out there in this world? And we are no match for all of what we're facing in this life, apart from the power of the name of Jesus and the power of the Spirit of Almighty God? Absolutely. This is His dispensation. This is His time of working. And it is up to us to be humble, to surrender our hearts, our minds, our wills, and say, you know what? Forget what I've been taught. I grew up in a church that never taught about being filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues and having spiritual gifts in their operation. So you know what? When I got saved, I want to know what else was in that book. And I'm so glad I fell into the right camp from the very beginning that I didn't have someone come along and indoctrinate me incorrectly. Someone says, but that's your interpretation. I don't know how you can interpret this any other way. On the day of Pentecost, there was a sound from heaven. It was a rushing mighty wind that filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them cloven tongues like as a fire and sat upon each of them. And they all were filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And the fact that each one had a tongue of fire shows that the Holy Ghost is in each and every one of the individuals. Not just one thing like back in the Old Testament when he fell, uh, the fire fell over the Ark of the Covenant. Okay, This is now every person becomes a temple of the Most High God. 
filled with the Holy Ghost. And I'll tell you what, if we could ever catch the vision, if we could ever see this, we say the verse all the time, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. But do we really know who is in us? Do we understand? Go look at the picture out there in the, in the uh, narthex there of our church on a wall when you can see the Shekinah glory and the fire of God coming down from heaven and entering into where they were. The brightness of the, and greatness of the glory of Almighty God Guess what? That came down in each and every one of them. And when your spirit filled, that enters into each and every one of us. See, he cleansed the temple when he saved us and washed us in his blood. You're cleansed. But why did he cleanse it? For habitation. So the Holy Ghost could come on down from on high and enter in and just fill us with the glory. And we've got this glory in a jar of clay, don't we? Amen. But you see, the thing is, we want to get it from the inside to the outside, right? Okay, so there's two workings of the Spirit of God. Now, as we continue our study, um, there's a better way. And I want, I want us to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There is a better way that uh, Paul mentions. And this is called a more excellent way. So when we're talking about the manifestation of the Spirit, I'm going to put some things in order here so that we can better understand what he's trying to communicate to the church here at Corinth. Why? Because they were a spirit-filled, tongue-talking, really, you could say, gift-believing in church. And they were so much so that he said they, became, they came behind in no gift in the first chapter. They came behind in no gift. They had the gifts in operation in that church. Okay? That's what he said about them. But also, they were carnal. And we'll see that in a moment. They were very carnal. The gifts of the Spirit are not a mark of maturity. Love is. But covet earnestly the best gifts. And yet I show unto you a more excellent way. Well, what is that more excellent way, Paul? In the 12th chapter is the chapter of power. He talks about the manifestations of the Holy Ghost. Power. The gifts of the Spirit and their operation. Power. In the 13th chapter, he talks about love. And he's about to, in that next verse will be 1 Corinthians 13, 1, love. He talks about love. In the 14th chapter, he talks about order. So if you put that together, you've got power, you've got love, and you've got order. So in other words, there's power, there needs to be order, and what brings it to order is love. Love is the better way. Love is the more excellent way. That means love is to be the motivating force behind all the activities of our lives. So if we are going to be open to the gifts and operations of the Spirit, it must be motivated by love to reach broken-hearted humanity. The gifts of the Spirit are not for me to entertain myself or for me to look better and that sort of thing. The gifts of the Spirit and their operation are designed to bless humanity. And so, because of the love of God that we have, we want to be equipped with everything that is necessary to be a blessing to people everywhere we go. And if we will hook up with the Holy Spirit, I do believe these gifts will be more so in operation so that we can be effective in reaching people's lives. Let me give you a quick example. And again, this is when I was really, you know, younger in the Lord and just learning about some of these things. And I went, I was invited when I came home from uh, Christmas break at Rama. To attend a small church in, on the west side of Youngstown, Austintown area. And so uh, I went there. And, you know, 
I don't like talking in front of people. I never did. So I was a little bit maybe shaky when I first went there. Um, but I went inside and I was just waiting, you know, to speak. They began to worship and all that. And as we're worshiping the Lord, you know, the Spirit of God is moving in that place. It doesn't take much to get the Spirit of God move when people truly from the heart worship the Father. You realize that? He will manifest His presence. He will manifest Himself. And so I'm just worshiping the Lord with everybody else. Uh, when all of a sudden, I just get a word of knowledge, back trouble, back pain. Oh. So even before I ever began even sharing from, from the Bible, my text, I just stopped and just said, and there weren't a lot of people there at all. Maybe about 30 people. And I said, is there someone here that's suffering with back pain? It's so intolerable that you could hardly sit there. And this lady just said, that's me. And she made her way up to the front real quick. And I says, come up here because God loves you and he wants to heal you. I'm telling you, she didn't even get so close to me. I went to lay hands on her. The power of God hit her. Knocked her to the ground. Her glasses went flying across. Now we're talking about, there's no carpet under here. This is a tile floor, cement underneath it. There were just aluminum chairs, you know. And this woman was laid out in the spirit. And then, like I said, her glasses went. And finally people came and they picked her up. And she got up completely healed, perfectly whole. And she was just so excited for what happened to her. And you see, the thing is, we never know the story, do we? But you know, God does, doesn't he? She was at the beginning before the service started on the outside walking on the sidewalk. She came up to the church. It was like a storefront building. And she looked inside the window. And when she looked inside the window, apparently she didn't like what she saw. So she made a, de a decision that she was going to exit. And so she was just going to leave. She just looked in out of curiosity. But you see, it was off the beaten track. You had to you had purposely go there for this reason to attend the church service. Because she had her car parked and she walked over to there and, and then she looked inside and then she decided to walk away. And as she was walking back to get to her car, some people that were there said to her, are you leaving? Why are you leaving? Well, I'm not certain about that. I've never been to a place like this. I don't know what's going on. Say, come on in. Come on in. We'll, we'll sit by you. Come on in. We'll talk to you and all that. So she comes in with these people that were just kind of loving on her in the first place. And they had no idea about her back being in such pain. But um, when she heard... That God loves you. He cares about you. He wants to meet your need. And he wants you to be comfortable sitting there listening to the message. It spoke to her heart volumes. And she came up and the Lord touched her. The Lord healed her and set her free. See, gifts of the Spirit are designed to be a blessing to people that are in need. It's not just for our personal use and gain. It's for it to be a blessing to other people. And that's exactly how the Spirit of God operated in the life of Jesus and the others. It's everywhere they went, they went to be a blessing to people. And so that degree of anointing can manifest. But remember this, if Jesus didn't minister without the anointing, how can we expect to be effective in ministering without the anointing? We don't want to do it in our own ability or strength. We need the power and the might of the Holy Spirit. We need the equipping of the Spirit. To do the works of God. Okay, so love is the better way. Love is the more excellent way. Love is the best way. So if I really love God and love people, 
I want to be so connected to God and with Him that He just pours into me all His love and power and then I can release it into the lives of other people. So, if you're not spirit-filled with the evidence of power and tongues, it's available to everybody. But let me just say this. It's more so than just available. I believe it's a command. Be being filled with the Spirit is a command. Don't leave until you are filled with the Spirit is a command. But you see, for some reason, people think that we can just write our own script when it comes to Christianity. And we can't. Let's do it God's way. Okay, let's look at some verses. Uh, in the book of Romans chapter 5 and verse 5, love is the better way. Love is the more excellent way. So when we got saved, something happened in us. Hope make it not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. So in the new birth we have the Holy Ghost. And when he came into us and recreated our spirits, what did he do? He exploded the love of God in our hearts. So if you're born again, you have the love of God in you. I have the love of God in me. And that love that's been shed abroad in my heart enables me not just to love Him as I should, but also to love people as I should. The second thing we see here is found that love is the proof of our new birth experience. Look at 1 John chapter 3 and verse 14. We know that we have passed from death unto life. Why? Because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Did you, did you hear that? Now, I can only speak for myself, but when I got born again, there was a deposit of love in my spirit that I had never experienced ever before. I just began to love everything and everyone and had a concern for people's well-being, eternal well-being. But also, I had a deeper love even for nature, a deeper love for all of God's creation. It was a deposit. How do I know that? When I passed from death to life. I saw with different eyes. I was blind, but now I see. And I pray that that was your experience as well. I know we have different experiences, but there should be the love of God indicating to you that you're a child of God. Why? Because God is love. God is love. Okay, the third thing. Love is also the mark of spiritual maturity. Look at the book of Colossians chapter 3 and verse 14. And above all these things, put on charity. The word charity is agape. It's the divine love of God. It's love based on principle and decision, not feeling and emotion, which is the bond of what? Perfectness, which is maturity, spiritual maturity. So it's not gifts, but it's love that's the bond of spiritual maturity. That's the mark that we want to aim at. We have this love on the inside of us, but you see, it's a decision that we make to get it to the outside of us. And if we don't study the love chapter to find out what it's all about, we won't. But when we study it and learn what it's all about, then we can and we will. Okay, so it's the mark of spiritual maturity. But also, it's closely connected with healing. Look at the book of Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, perfect example here. Uh, back up in verse 9, it says that he loves those that keeps his commandment. And loves him to a thousand generations. So God will keep his commandments. 
or his covenant rather with them to love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. So look what it says. Wherefore it shall come to pass if you hearken to these judgments and keep and do them that the Lord thy God shall keep the keep unto thee the covenant and the mercy which he swore to your fathers and he will love you and bless you and multiply you. He will also bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your land, your corn, your wine, your oil, the increase of your kind, the flocks of your sheep, in the land which he sware to thy fathers to give thee, thou shalt be blessed above all people. Thou shalt not be, there shall not be male nor female barren among you or among your cattle. And the Lord will take away from thee all sickness and will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt, which thou knowest upon thee, but will lay them upon all them that hate thee. Notice what he's saying that he will do for those that truly love him and set their love upon him, honor him and keep commandments. He says he'll remove sickness and disease away from the midst of you. So there is a close connection between healing and keeping the commandment of God. Well, what's the commandment of God in the New Testament? John 13, 34 answers that question. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. What a mandate. Someone says, we're not under the old covenant laws. I know we're not. We're under a more strict law than the old covenant law. See, this new covenant encompasses and incorporates all the Old Testament commandments. In Romans 13, we are told if there's any commandment such as, Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal. doesn't matter what the, what the commandment is. It's all fulfilled in one commandment. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as yourself, or you love as I have loved you. So, when we love someone, we won't kill them. We won't commit adultery. We won't steal. We won't covet. Right? Do you see? All those are fulfilled in one commandment, which is love. I'm the love. God, yes, but also people as he loved me. So, John 3.16 says, God so loved the world, right? But 1 John 3.16 says, we ought to love one another as he loved us. So there's the commandment to love. And if we keep the commandment to love, it opens up the door to God's healing powers. That's why it's important if we're looking for an area in our lives where maybe we're kind of short-circuiting the power of God, ask yourself the question, am I walking in love with everyone? Am I holding, am I holding bitterness or unforgiveness toward anybody at all? Those are some of the things that can short-circuit the power of God and prevent them from really doing what God wants to do, and that brings, means bring even healing into our bodies. Okay, look at the next one. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, now this is the group that came behind in no gift. In other words, they were prolific in the gifts of the Spirit, okay? But now notice this, and our brethren cannot speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal. Even as unto babes in Christ, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. Why? For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able, for you are carnal. For whereas there is among you envying, strife, and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? Notice, the gifts are in operation, but the gifts in operation, does, they don't make one spiritual. Strife, envy, division means you're carnal. So as long as those things exist, you're walking in carnality and not in spirituality. 
And this is a very licentious church. These people came from a very difficult background. Remember, 1 Corinthians 6, he talked about what? You're the temple of the Holy Ghost. And he says, it's not, your, your body's not to be used. For what? Anything that is evil. Fornication, immorality, and all that. In chapter 5, he talked about incest that was taking place, you know, with, with a man that was with, cohabiting with his, his uh, stepmother. And so he addressed that. Chapter 7, he talks about the same thing, about avoiding fornication. So you can see he's addressing the fact that they were yielding to the flesh and not to the spirit. And as a result, they were a carnal bunch of people. So he couldn't speak to them as spiritual. So spiritual gifts don't necessarily make one spiritual. And remember, that was a church that talked in tongues more than uh, many people you can think of. They were going crazy with this gift. He had to correct that gift. So you see, love is the better way. Love is the motivating force behind these gifts and their operation. And when we love from the heart and yield ourselves to God and we stay connected with Him, there is a divine flow that comes into us and then through us we can reach out to the people through special gifts and their operation to meet the needs of people. Now, look how far reaching this love is. You look at um, Matthew chapter 5, 44 through 48. And what we see is this, it, it's as far reaching as our enemies. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use and, use and persecute you. Did you do that this morning? When you first got up? Your mind went right there, right? Hardly. Hardly. We don't think about doing things like that. As a matter of fact, we're so tempted because we have enemies out there that speak against us and do these evil things. Sometimes people just want to get even. But that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for He makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do, do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father is in heaven. Perfect. So what's he saying? Love is so far reaching that we even have to reach out to love our enemies. And those that maybe speak against us or do evil toward us, we're supposed to overcome their evil with what? With good. And so therefore, if we want to be used of God, and have these gifts in operation, then it's important we realize that we have to, first of all, walk in the realm of love. And the last verse, 1 Corinthians 13, 8, kind of says it all, kind of puts it all together. Charity never fails. Just the first part. A divine love never fails. Think about that statement. Love never fails. When Jesus went to the cross, they thought he, had, he lost but love didn't fail. Love suffered. Love died. But love rose again. And love is continuing to manifest itself and reach out to people from all generations. And still doing so today. Isn't that true? Love is winning the victory. Amen. So love never fails. Now, I read another little testimony that kind of shows that same truth, but, and we might, when I say this, don't get upset. There was a church in Fort Myers, Florida, 
And, well, nice church. Uh, Assembly of God church, a full gospel church, Pentecostal church. And like in many other places in our society today, some strip clubs moved into the area. Well, some of the people just got so upset about it and that sort of thing. They were getting their minds together and what they were going to do, they were going to go into, or they were going to call all the local TV stations and they were going to get their signs and they were going to pick it to get these evil places away from their church. They didn't want them near the church. Well, the group, the women's group got together and the president of the women's ministry asked the other ladies that were there in this meeting, is this what you really want to do? And they said, well, can you come up with a better way? See, sometimes we think this is how we got to be aggressive. We got to call in, you know, for the, the stations and the networks and the newspapers and all that and get this thing. We're going to pick it. They can watch us walk and pick it and all that. And they finally made a decision. And this is what their conclusion was. They told the president of the women's ministry to attend the Friday evening strip show. And when it was over, go to the back, meet the girls, take a note with you, and an expensive gift. And give a gift to each of these girls. And so she agreed. And so she went there. And when the show was over, she went to the back. And she started handing out these gifts with a little note that says, God loves you. One girl read it, immediately began to weep. And this president was kind of stunned or shocked that she was weeping like that. And she said, um, what's the matter? And the young lady said, are you an angel? And she said, why would you ask me that? I'm not an angel. She said, because what I said before I came here tonight is when I'm done with this show, I will kill myself. And I was prepared to do it. And then, just before I walked out there, I said, God, if you're real, send an angel to save me. To let me know that you're real. And then you came here and you handed me this note that says, God loves you. She repented of her sins. She gave her heart to Jesus. And because of this outreach, the girls in that club and others all got saved. And they had to shut down the clubs because there were no girls. Now, that's a different kind of operation, wouldn't you say? But you see the mentality sometimes that we go to? We're going to just get what? Do it in the flesh? But first of all, think about it. Did Jesus not sit with sinners and eat with sinners and reach out to sinners? Didn't he do, such, do so much that he was accused of being with sinners? Wasn't he? And what did he say to them? I didn't come to call the righteous. I came to call those that are sinners. Those that are sick. They need help. Amen. So think about it. We need the strategy 
We need the divine empowerment. We need the equipping of the Holy Spirit. Why would we want this much when we can have, or I should say, why would we want ankle deep when we go to knee deep or we can go to hip deep or we can swim all the way out there in the mighty waters of the Holy Ghost? Why would we want a well when we can have rivers of living water flowing out of us? Hallelujah. Remember what Jesus told, told his disciples in the last day, the great day of the feast? If you really thirst, come to me and drink, and out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit that they which believe on him should receive. For as yet he was not given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Remember that? Out of your belly. Out, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. We're talking about not a whale springing up. We're talking about a river, or rivers, plural, of living water. And that is the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire that you and I have got within us this manifestation of the Spirit, praise God, that's bubbling within our souls that we can't keep it contained. we got to let it out. Amen. Are you with me? Praise God. Let's not be satisfied with just a new birth. That's the beginning. Mm. I'm telling you, let's drink from the rivers of living water. Let's get filled with Holy Ghost power and rise up to a place, praise God, that the Holy Ghost has us. It's one thing to have Him. It's another thing for Him to have us. Can you say amen?